is Angela, and this is the Homestead Education Podcast, where we talk all things homesteading, and we want to share our passion and experience for this lifestyle with you. This episode of the podcast is proudly sponsored by Manapro Homestead. Animals are an important part of our lives. That's why we help them grow and thrive, treating them as well as they treat us to make their lives as best as they can be. Manapro, nurturing life. Visit manapro.com and follow us at Manapro Homestead. Hi, you all. Welcome back to Homestead Education. Mandy and Angela are here. We hope you're doing so great. It's been a good week, good day, good night, good morning, whatever, whenever you're listening to this. So when we sat down to record this episode, several weeks ago, actually, Angela and I got on our little meeting call and we had um, totally different ideas of what we were recording that day. So we had scheduled or planned to record an episode about quality of life. Um, Now you can take a second to think about what that would mean to you if you hear that. Uh, Quality of life on the homestead. So to me, Mandy, I was totally geared towards quality of life of the animal, maybe specifically surrounding the end of their life. How do we provide them a great life and then support them in their later years? Typically in veterinary medicine, when we hear the word quality of life, it is um, directly linked to what is their quality of life still, right? Angela thought that we were going to talk a little bit more about our, um, the human, the human quality of life on the homestead, um, you know, the lifestyle, how it's kind of impacted other parts of our lives, even diving into our relationship um, with our spouses and things like that. So we paused on that episode, but we're back because I think both are very important. And um, we're going to kind of touch a little bit on both because, I mean, I think both of our ideas mean something, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's funny that Mandy had sort of this giver providing for the animal uh, interpretation. And here I've got the more selfish interpretation around like, how good is my life right now? (laughs) (laughs) We, we were, we were. We Zoom when we do this, you all. And so we were looking at each other and we were saying, huh, well, this is totally different, like completely different spectrums. Let's um, let's do something different. But we're back, like I said. Um, so for me, when I think about homesteading as a whole and I think about quality of life, uh, like I said, my mind goes directly to the animal. Um it doesn't matter if we're talking about a chicken or a horse or a cow or whatever it is, um, a dog, um, a cat, <laughs> you know. So when we make the choice to raise these animals in a very, um, well, what I like to call like a very symbiotic way with us. So we're, you know, the human nature, the animal, we're all trying to work together, build this incredible lifestyle. Um, unfortunately our animal counterparts just don't live as long as us. Um, and that's where my mind goes when I hear that word. So how can we, um, provide that animal, whatever animal it is, a very good life 
provide for them throughout their years, change a little bit of that providing as they mature. And then when is it appropriate? When is it, you know, time to consider their quality of life? So we, um, gosh, I, um, recently we had to, um, send one of our dogs over the rainbow, rainbow bridge. So that's what we call in veterinary medicine. When you humanely euthanize an animal, we send them over the rainbow bridge and they go get to live their life elsewhere. Um, and so it is a situation where we were looking at her and her quality of life was just not the same. She just wasn't, wasn't the uh, same dog as she used to be. And I think that's so hard for people. I think it's really hard for people even more so when you talk about a farm animal, um, because maybe to some, it's not necessarily the same as, um, you know, your house dog, you know, fluffy that's been you know sleeping in your bed forever. Do you give the same consideration to your old rooster? I think yes, as a whole, as baseline, you do. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Angela, when you think about quality of life directly relating to like an animal's life? I mean, I have been in the same boat, unfortunately, with regard to deciding when it's time to let go of a pet. Like you said, do I think that translates into the same decision-making process and urgency and care to farm animals? Absolutely as I also think it does for people who process their birds, right? For meat or process their animals. Sure. It doesn't necessarily become just the sole question of euthanasia or processing. This whole conversation is a topic of sort of the ethics of raising animals to begin with, no matter what their intention is in the end. And I think for me, in answer to your question, it's all about meeting the basic needs of the animal My job, whether it's the animal is young or old, is to provide food and water. If I'm providing food and water and the animal is too stressed from an illness, its health is deteriorated to a point where it can no longer accept that food and water, there's something broken. And I think that's when vet intervention is so important. We talked about that in a previous episode. This is not a decision that you would make on your own. But if your animal is no longer eating, no longer drinking, can't walk, That's the point where I made the call to the vet, one, to see if there was something I could do to fix it, but two, to have the conversation, this is not the type of life that I want for my pet, is it time to let it go? And if you have a good vet, they will obviously be empathetic to your situation, especially if there's an emotional attachment, and kind of handhold and walk you through, yes or no, I don't think there's anything we can do to make it better. And then I think that's the point where you maybe have a responsibility to make it better, help it to stop suffering if it is suffering. It is to me just um, being, you know, veterinary professional is just kind of, it is different um, for a lack of better explanation when I can completely kind of remove myself from the emotions um, and totally look at the medical side. And um, really we as homesteaders, we as caregivers and providers for these animals, that is like you said, is a job, it's a responsibility. And unfortunately the 
those tough decisions, they're going to come. There's no way around it. You're going to have to make them. Um, whether, you know, whether, like you said, you're raising your animals for meat or whatever, you still have those fleeting moments um, during those, you know, processing days or whatever. I always like to, and I hope that maybe this can help people or help kind of like understand the mindset um, sometimes, or maybe it's just my mindset. I don't know. But um, when <clears throat> we talk about quality of life for your animal, um, you know, making those very, very hard decisions. I always, um, in my career, um, had this, you know, thought or saying that it would always stuck in the back of my head that I would rather the animal, um, you know, one minute too early rather than one minute too late. Um, and we have a very unique, we being humans caring for these animals and just in the veterinary world versus now I'm comparing it to human medicine, right? So it is very um, different in the regard that we absolutely have the ability to make that choice. We don't for humans. Um, and for a lot of people, it is very hard to shoulder that responsibility. So we don't have to... Um, we don't have to belabor this. I think it's important for everybody listening to know that um, I am happy as well as Angela. We are both happy to talk with you. I I can have a very candid conversation with you about um, death, honestly, and um, how it pertains to you as a homesteader or, you know, an animal caregiver. I don't know. Do you have questions? Because this is just like so interesting how you and I both thought about this in such a different light. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said in the beginning, we we're going to cover both kind of completely different um, avenues of what we think of when we think of quality of life. Um, do you think that there's pressing questions that anybody might have or anything that we, well, we cover? I think, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good question. I, I do think there's something that we could sort of help. The reason that we wanted to talk about this today is because we recently did the triage episode and Mandy and I are very interested in not only supplying you with sort of facts and information and show notes that you can tangibly research and walk away with and apply to your own homestead in this podcast, not we haven't done it as much this season. It'll certainly be here coming forward. We also just want to have authentic conversation about what it is to live this life. And it isn't always about facts and knowledge. Sometimes, a lot of times, there's an emotional piece to it. And there's a responsibility. There, there are pieces to this life that are intangible. And I think it's important to provide a balance. We, also, we, we give facts, but we also have conversations. And today's episode is very much a conversation. Um, I think one thing that people could walk away from this episode knowing or having a better sense of is when do I call it the end for an animal? And I guess you can elaborate this, but for me, when to call it quits is either A, you have to call an animal because of aggression issues. Um, if whether it be a dog, I've seen horses where they are mentally not sound. And they are predators or they're, they're going to hurt somebody. They're going to hurt uh, a herd member, a flock member. And it, there's just something mentally wrong. Um, there's culling. There's euthanasia when it's kind of gotten to the point of no return health wise. And then obviously, you know, there's, there's accidents. And I think those are sort of the three 
maybe facets of death that a homesteader comes across or just dying of old age. Yeah. Um, so do you want to kind of talk about the first couple of those, which is why would you call it quits on an animal's life if it's aggressive? There's no quality of life for you, obviously, right? It's damaging yeah. to you. But why, why would you choose to euthanize an animal because of aggression? This is a really hot button topic. And I think it's probably important to note that it doesn't, it doesn't probably happen all too often. Um, but you know, um, I think it is a very noble and courageous thing to have, you know, your goals set out and you, um, just as a very quick example, you know, you bring a, you bring an animal in and it's unfortunately not a good fit. And if it is a situation where it is not going to be a good fit for anybody, um, right, that's when you would make this type of decision. Um, when it becomes unsafe to rehome, when it becomes unsafe, you know, um, to, to, to try and mend that relationship, that human bond or that herd bond or whatever you want to want to call it. Um, I've seen it, like you said, I've seen it with horses. Um, again, not, not often I've seen it in dogs though, more so in my, my career. Um, and, you know, I think that that is while very, um, few and far between probably one of the hardest decisions, right. Um, when you have to make a decision, there's, when we, when we talk about quality of life, when we talk about the end of an animal's life, you, you directly correlate it to health. And when, you know, like they're, uh, when everything else is fine, you know, their blood work works fine. They're, they're getting around whatever, you know, it's very hard to make those decisions. So, but I think it is, like I said, a very noble and courageous thing to, um, make a decision when it's the very hard, the hardest one to make. I mean, that that's just kind of for all facets of life. Uh, and then, Going forward, um, I mean, when we talk about just like health and calling an animal and we're not necessarily talking about old age or something like that. I mean, I can use my very recent um, example um, with Carter. So she was uh, one of our house dogs and um, she was totally um, fine. And then just started to take a huge decline and blood work was fine. Ultrasound was fine. Radiographs are fine. She was, her quality of life was just no longer there. Um, she just started to absolutely take a decline and her, you look at, you have to kind of look at like the parallel universe, like how they were in their prime and how is that animal now? And is, is their quality of life? Um, something that put yourself in their shoes. Do you, would you want to spend your days like that? And I know this is this, we could talk about this for a very, very long time. Every situation is going to be extremely individual and it is a very sensitive topic. Um, but circling all the way back to why we even wanted to have this conversation is we make this choice to raise the animals, um, you know, for better or for worse, we're going to have, we're going to have these choices to, to make. It's part of homesteading. Um, yes, it is absolutely part of it. Um, there are so many joyous moments. Um, and there are also sometimes equally as not 
joyous moments. Um, and that's kind of just part of it. That's the responsibility, responsibility that we take on, um, that we have to shoulder. Um, and yeah, you know, um, I think we had a situation where I had purchased, um, I thought three, three weathers, three castrated male sheep. And it turned out that they were very aggressive. And I was kind of like, okay, I, I think I have a sheep, one sheep that might be intact. It turned out to be all three. And it was a safety hazard. Um, I did not process them. I am the vegetarian, the odd vegetarian of the homestead world. And I did not process them. I did not kill them. I just simply gave them back to the breeder. There's always options. She was happy to take them. And I think that's where ice uh, homesteading, and maybe this is going to help us segue into the next portion of this conversation. Homesteading is not an isolated endeavor. It can't be. You're going to drive yourself absolutely nuts. And it can't be not just because you can't know everything, um, but also because we just don't have as solo individuals the experience that a veterinary professional has to guide us and say, behavior wise, this animal is not going to straighten out. Physically wise, this animal is not going to be okay. You can either euthanize this animal or you can find another home for it. Well, then you have to think, okay, well, if I give it to somebody else, am I just handing somebody else a problem? What's going to happen then? Is this a horse? Will it end up in a kill pen? We talked about before, this is a heavy, hot button conversation. I hope that no one feels we're trying to point you in any one direction. This is just a conversation, a thinking out loud about... If it's just a, it's home, just a conversation. We're just having it like we would have it. Um, not you know, on the airwaves. Any, anywhere else. We're, it's yeah. just being recorded right now. Um, you know, with the hopes that, you know, it might be helping somebody or, you know, sparking just kind of some thoughts or encouraging somebody to ask those questions. Or, or those maybe just know that other people yes. have these thoughts as well. These yes. thoughts are what go through every homesteader's head or should anyway. I hope that you're thinking about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, we can kind of call that portion of quality of life, you know, to a little bit of a wrap up and just know that if there are questions or what have you, I mean, please reach out and, um, yeah, so it is, it is a very tough and, um, necessary, um, conversation to have and, and we'll just kind of leave it at that. But, you know, a little bit maybe of a somewhat lighter note. I don't know when we, when we, you know, sat down to record this, like I said, so Angela was thinking, you know, what is our quality of life as a homesteader, right? Like what, um, and it is so interesting. Gosh, I, you, I could, I could get dive really deep into my thoughts um, when I think about this, but um, I think we've said it multiple times this is a choice, right? Just like anybody has a choice. You have a choice to live in a high rise in downtown New York. You have a choice to live in, you know, suburbia. All of those things are, you know, for m most of the time, it's, it's your choice. So we choose as, you know, homesteaders, I'm using my air quotes, to live in my opinion, somewhat of a, um, at times more challenging lifestyle um, isolating lifestyle. Um, I guess it kind of depends on the day. It depends on who you ask and, and things like that. But also, um, in my opinion, more rewarding, um, fulfilling, 
So tell me what, what did you, where was your mind when we were going to sit down to do this? Like when you think of quality of life as a homesteader, what does that even mean to you? Well, I, I think that I had jumped to that sort of interpretation of this topic because for lack of a better word, quote unquote, outsiders kind of look at my lifestyle and they think, don't you, don't you ever relax? Don't you ever get a night off the farm? Um, Oh my God, you're always working so hard all the time. Don't you ever just order pizza? And I think it boils down to what your value system is, what you value as a human being. For me, I really love experiencing culture and the arts. I mean, I have an art degree. I liked going to art museums. I like going to Broadway shows. I like feeling rich culture. And I sort of built a life for myself, not as isolated. I live an hour outside of New York City. I'm booking shows or booking booking tickets to a Broadway show today. Um, I get to have a life that aligns with my values of living seasonally and close to nature and experiencing the rawness and the realness that comes with animal husbandry and animal care. But I also get to see and experience regularly all the great things that humans have created, art, culture, music. I get, I get that. So for me, I've created a balance where I am blessed to experience both. I get the rush of the inner city, but on a day-to-day life, I day-to-day routine for me, it's just about simplicity and getting back to nature. There's a lot of myths and misunderstandings about homesteading. Mandy, do you order pizza? Cause I do. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and you bring up just like a, a whole nother train of thought with, you know, culture and food and music and everything else that the world has to offer. I think that, you know, the, the biggest myth or one of the biggest myths of, um, you know, surrounding the homesteading community is that you like, and we kind of touched on a little bit of this, you know, in, in one of the episodes prior, it's like, you don't leave the farm or, you know, you wake up at 4am and your chore, you're, you're constantly scooping poop and your chores, uh, take all day. And you, um, you know, you, you don't go to the grocery store and, um, I, it is, uh, so individual to every family, to every couple, to every individual. Um, but heck yeah, we order pizza and I eat ice cream out of the tub. I don't even put it in a bowl sometimes. And sometimes I eat Oreos for breakfast and, um, you know, or cereal that, um, I bought at the grocery store instead of making homemade waffles. Like it is, it is such an idyllic, like, um, picture when you think about all of the things that when you choose to be more connected to nature to kind of, you know, do, do a little bit more of your own and, um, whether that's cook more, grow more, raise animals, whatever. Um, I think it's just like learning more, right. It's just learning more about what the world has to offer. Um, and you're doing it at your home. Um, you can still be a worldly person at homestead. Yes. Yes. I mean, yes. We, Home, it, 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 homesteaders aren't podunk people. We talked about this before in prairie dresses. And yes. maybe there was a time where it was that. I guarantee you modern homesteading doesn't look like that. Kirsten of Hostel Valley Living recently said something that really stuck with me. No matter what it looks like for you with homesteading, if you're ordering spare parts, vet supplies, 
things for your horse on Amazon. Mm -hmm. That is not what homesteading was 50 years ago. Yes. No, you are a modern homesteader. If you're ordering food, if you're using the computer to do research, this is modern homesteading. We are not sacrificing modern conveniences. And absolutely, we have a total quality of life. Again, it comes back to what you make it, but I don't, I don't live under a rock. I view my news every day, um, but I've created a sanctuary. I can have, you can have both. That is the point. Now, it, it, with regard to the amount of work, again, it is what you make it. Manny's going to be milking on a schedule as she does now already. For me, I don't have that commitment. Um, Mandy and her spouse, Casey, make a point of getting off the farm and getting away for a night because they have farm sitters. They have family that allow them to do that. They have somebody they can trust to watch the farm. Do we get away? No, we have kids. So our situation is a little bit different at the moment, but we absolutely travel and go on family vacations. I just had one a month ago. So I have a great quality of life. I feel like I get to experience and do everything. I live on a very intimate local scale. It's my backyard from day to day. But I by no means have removed myself from society and real world culture. Yeah. And I think that maybe that's just like the take home. Like really, like we get in this episode right now. I mean, I think it's, I think for, um, you know, the naysayers or, you know, maybe a little bit of more of the confused folks about homesteading and society is, um, you can do all those things. It is not just like, um, complete isolation and, um, yeah, I don't know. It is, I mean, gosh, you just really kind of sparked a whole bunch of thoughts and yes, we leave the farm. We do all of those things. And I find it to be very, very deeply important. Um, I think it, it could be related to a lot of things, how, you know, great, you live in the city or whatever you have a, a, you know, you and your spouse, you have a newborn child and you spend all day inside. You need to get out. You need a night out. You need to give yourself that, you know, give yourself permission to like go do something. I think that, um, a lot of us in the homesteading community, especially when we raise animals and, you know, it, it's releasing a little bit of that control <laughs> and, um, knowing that they're going to be okay. And you need to take care of yourself too. Um, you know, so much of our day to day is surrounded by, you know, cooking and growing and planning a year in advance and taking care of the animals and preparing for, you know, breeding and, um, so, you know, making sure that they're healthy, that you can get so wrapped up. And so I do think that that is where some of that, you know, quote unquote isolation can come because like you said, it does depending on the level of commitment that you take on now you let me say it again that, that you take on um it does require a schedule um and that looks different to everybody and especially for folks who are not in the homesteading community some may not understand and I think that's why we're here it's our job to help you know kind of just like uh broaden people's horizons I don't know yeah um, but but I think also it's, it's, we, we still are within reach of sort of the quote unquote rat race, right? Yes. We're still yeah. totally within reach of it. We've just chosen to unplug from the matrix matrix a little bit. And, you know, dude, all our friends listening right now, if you feel like, like, I kind of feel disconnected with nature, but I don't really want to have animals. 
okay, didn't go back to episode one, grow a tomato. And if growing your own tomatoes is how you can check out of the rat race, check out from the um, matrix a little bit and feel more connected, grow that tomato plant. Um, But where it does start to really suck though, is when you are taking care of things you don't want to be taking care of and you have created a homestead life for yourself that you don't enjoy. Maybe you are burnt out. Maybe you do have really aggressive sheep and you hate going around the corner of the barn to feed them. That's when there needs to be a recalibration and a correction needs to be made and something needs to change. This is a choice. Mandy said it before. And this is supposed to be about connection and really just like nurturing yourself and enjoyment and getting more from your day to day that you couldn't get elsewhere. And so if there's something that's not working, that kind of circulates, you know, circumvents back to the beginning of the conversation. Maybe there's an animal that needs to be removed, whether or not that just be rehoming, giving to a sanctuary, calling whatever you find to be the best fit for you as a person and for your homestead. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is supposed to be just like, so symbiotic. I mean, somebody asked recently, um, like what is, you know, like nurturing and, um, life mean to me. And it's literally just the relationship that, you know, we've chosen this lifestyle, the relationship, the symbiotic nature of us with the, the land and then what it provides. So I don't know. I, I love this conversation. You know, I think that we, before we even started recording, we also, um, in, in having very different ideas of quality of life and what we were initially going to record, we did touch a little bit about quality of life, the homestead, the homestead mindset uh, with you and your spouse or your partner. I really think that that might need to be we just need to touch on that conversation a different day. I think that it is something that requires a little bit more attention. I don't know, you know, cause a lot of, with the choice of this lifestyle, a lot of folks find that it is, it's your choice. It's a, it's your choice. It might not be your, your partner, your spouse's choice and how to manage that. And both of us have different experiences and um, it could be another really fun conversation. We'll call the episode the homesteader and the non-homesteading spouse. Yep, there you go. Because um, I think it's very common. Um, and that's great. That's fine. Um, it's all about broadening your horizons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, gosh, thanks for having this conversation with me. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks to everyone listening. Um, you know, if you were hoping for more of a sort of textbook episode don't worry, we got you. We're going to come back next week with another one. But I think, like I said before, it's important to sprinkle in kind of pepper real life experiences and thoughts, because if you don't, if you're, if you are feeling isolated and if you don't have another homesteader that you know that you can talk to, um, we want to be a resource for you. We want to, we want to be approachable. So thank you all for listening. Mandy, do you have anything else to add? No, just thank you. And we're here and cheers to a good day. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Homestead Education Podcast. Any relevant material will be put in the show notes. We hope you'll share our episodes and also click that subscribe button. For more information about this podcast, you can visit us on Instagram at Homestead Education Podcast. Angela can be found online at axeandroothomestead.com and on Instagram at axeandroothomestead. 
Mandy can also be found online at thefarmermandy.com and on Instagram at Wild Oak Farms. We'll see you next time.